Father, we give you thanks and praise for tonight, Lord. We give you thanks and praise for once again bringing us together here tonight. Lord, we worship you. We thank you. We just don't know how to even thank you because I, I don't think that even in our in our in ourselves we understand what that really means. Um, but Lord, we know that you did it for us, and we know that you did it for your love for us. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. We empty ourselves as vessels for your use and for your glory. Teach us tonight. Your word is truth, God. And we relinquish all control to you tonight. Satan, we put you on notice. You're not welcome in this place. We bind you. We cast you out. All, spirit, all wicked spirits in high places, all principalities, we bind you. We bind, our, we bind the, you up and off of us. We loose ourselves from you. We're loose. You're cast out. And Father, we just deploy angels right now on our behalf to stand around us, Lord, to just keep all the wiles and powers of the enemy at bay, Lord, as we teach tonight. Lord, we give you thanks again, and we just ask you to be here tonight during our study, and just uh, we ask for your anointing in this place, in Jesus' name, amen. Tonight we're going to actually talk about Christianity, churchianity, and the kingdom. And what, what do these three terms mean? Christianity, churchianity, and the kingdom. Last week, we, we covered the model of the church. But as you're going to see tonight, it's going to be a, an interesting thing to find that my model of the church may be a little different than your model of the church, and it may be a little different than that person down there's model of the church. As a matter of fact, there are 33,000 different models of the church out there, according to studies. And we're going to talk about that tonight. The notes that you receive for the study are rather extensive. I'm going to uh, stick to them as best I can because we have a lot, of, a lot of things to go through. And of course, we're going to go down those rabbit trails and we're going to examine what these things are. But I, I want to start with, with a word of, of, of understanding if you would open your Bibles to Luke chapter 17, that's Luke chapter 17. And in verse 7, I'm reading from the, the Bible in basic English because I think, it, I think it's important for people to understand this particular verse in basic English. But which of you, having a servant or a slave, who is plowing or keeping sheep, will we'll say to him when he comes in from the field, come now and be seated and have a meal. Verse 8 says, will he, not, will he not say, which means will we not say, or if you, he's talking to you of course, will you not say, get a meal for me and make yourself ready and see to my needs till I have my food and drink and after that you may have yours? What does that mean? Well, I own a company, and as the head of that company, I actually, you'd think, well, I walk into the office every day, and I, I look at all the wonderful things that are going on, and I sit down with everybody, and, and we have a great big celebration as to how great we're doing. No? Actually, at my company, we tend to focus on what's wrong more than what's right. Now, why is that? Well, not that, we're, not that we're sitting there beating up our employees saying how horrible they are about what's wrong, but 
I feel that if we're doing our job right, if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing at the company right, then really the byproduct of that is going to be good service, good product, good customers, and of course, good income, right? So here tonight, unfortunately, I'm going to focus a lot on what's wrong with our faith walk. This is not to accuse anybody. I'm certainly not standing on a pedestal saying that, 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 that I'm better than anyone or that I've got it. Because the word says that we're all a work in progress. Amen? Amen? But I think that it's important that in this day, because especially in the end time, how many people believe that, that the time for Jesus coming back for his church is, is, is almost right here? Now, I know that, of course, people say, well, yeah, Mikey, but, you know, they believed that back, you know, 50 years after he left, you know. And, but really, if you look at Bible prophecy and you look at the reunification of Israel and, and the, you know, the reestablishment of Israel and all of that stuff, and, and you look at the things that are going on, the wars and the rumors of wars and all of the, the, the things that are going on in the world stage right now, I would say that there has not really been a time in history that has been more acclimated to the return of Christ. Now, the scripture says that no man knoweth the day nor the hour, but we will know the season. Amen. So we don't know the day. We don't know the time. And really, you know, a wise man told me one time, he said, Mikey, listen, live your life like if Jesus were coming this afternoon, but plan on being here for a while. And the way that you do that, of course, is by holding on to things loosely. You don't, you don't hold things in a position of idolatry. You know, we, we, we don't really, I mean, who cares? <laughs> Jesus comes back tomorrow, and what was all that headache worth? Jesus comes back this afternoon, and what was all that concern worth? I mean, so many of us as Christians come into our faith walk with all this baggage, man. And we don't need to do that. So today... I, I, I ask you to bear with me. If some, of, if some of my statements seem a bit reprimanding or a bit accusatory, I certainly don't mean them in that vein. I have a zeal for the kingdom. And I believe that the Holy Spirit really, really motivates me to have that zeal. I mean, in my flesh, I can be as fleshly as anybody else. But I believe that, that the Lord has called those of us that teach to really express the heart of God. And, and I would submit that once we finish with tonight's study, you're going to understand that the heart of God may just be a little injured with the condition of his creation. Amen? Amen. Let's get into this, this whole thing of Christianity, churchianity, and the kingdom. Let's talk first about Christianity. Let's just call it what it is. It's the evangelical subculture. Now, did you know that there was an evangelical subculture? I mean, this subculture, you know, has its own organizations, its own institutions, you know, its own parachurch organizations, its own, its own denominations, its own, its own magazines and radio stations and television networks its own schools and universities and colleges. We have our own celebrities as Christians. You know, we have our own music industry. Hey, we have our own books and bookstores. When we first got saved, you actually underwent two conversions. Did you know that? 
I, I didn't, but I, I, I quickly began to understand that, hey, I did. I became a member of the body of Christ in the spiritual sense of the word, and I became a member of the body of Christ in the carnal sense of the word. The new Christian life has become this, this substitution for the true gospel. Where do, what movies do you see, man? What book are you reading? Are, are, you a, are, you know, are you doing the whole purpose-driven thing? Or are you living by faith, dude? Or are you, you know, are you naming it and claiming it, man? Are you, are you, just, are you moving God with your prayers? Is God doing, doing what you want him to do? Is God bowing to your every demand? I mean, you know, dude, that you can do that. And when you're in a frustrating position, hey, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus eat? What would Jesus smoke? What would Jesus drink? I mean, we can, we can put a WWJ on anything, can't we? And this is what really has happened. We've, we've exchanged a real relationship for this hoity-toity, you know, emotional experience. It replaces the anointing. I would submit to you that today's person living in the Christian subculture doesn't know the difference between the anointing and an emotional outburst. I mean, we go to church and we say, well, the, you know, I didn't like the praise and worship today. It just didn't move me. Didn't move you? And were we worshiping you today? Hey, listen, I'm an old musician, okay? I, I, I'm the first one that fell into that trap. I'm the first one that would go and say, well, you know, it was good, but the drum mix, it was a little, eh, I don't know, and the keyboardist was a little off. And, and as a matter of fact, interestingly enough, I was working worship, uh, worship on, uh, at my church on Sunday, and I, I actually found myself getting a little frustrated because one of the guys that, that plays keyboards wasn't there, and, you know, we didn't have the fullness of sound that we usually have. We didn't have the, the strings weren't there. So, of course, that didn't fit right in my little view of the way that our praise and worship should have been. And, and I really had to catch myself saying, wait a minute, Calvo, what are you doing? This isn't for you. This is for the Lord. I repent, Lord. I, I, really, I really forget. And, and, and the problem is that we're coddled. Oh, that's okay. You know, everybody likes good music. You know, so, I mean, we've got churches that have actually taken a survey there's uh, the, the Saddleback Church out in, uh, in, in Texas, Rick Warren's purpose-driven church. Well, you know, they were, they were having a problem with church attendance, so Rick decided that he was going to take a survey of his people, and it was going to be an anonymous survey. And what they did was they asked him, well, what radio station do you listen to? And interestingly enough, in this pretty big church full of mixed multitude, they found that everybody was listening to classic rock stations and the top 40 pop stations and the, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s and today station, you know. But very few people were listening to this, you know, the, the, the nationally, the, the Christian contemporary station. So Rick went and had a meeting with his praise and worship leader and they rearranged it to better suit the people. This is not right. <laughs> you know, when, when, we started, when we started doing these, uh, these weekly Bible studies, I, I really believe that we've been called to do these community Bible studies. One, one of the folks, nobody here tonight, 
But one of the folks said to me, hey, Mikey, maybe you should have little cards that people can fill out what they want you to, you know, to teach on, what they want you to preach on. And, and I can just see it now. You know, well, people want to know what God's got for me. You know, how can I move God? And, you know, because that's just kind of the, 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 the world we're in. Nobody wants to look at what the, you know, what God's truths are. Nobody wants to talk about how God wants you to live your life. I mean, because really what ends up happening is if you get a teaching like that, heaven forbid, you might be changed when you walk out of here. You may be just a little different. The church has become this place of entertainment. We've exchanged body edification, which is what we're supposed to do. That's the true model of the church. And I, I think, okay, well, but now we have a small group, you know, and, and we're, of course, we're able to, we're all able to move together at the same time. We're all able to move into, you know, by the spirit and this and that and the other. But what happens when it grows to 50 or 75 or 100 or 200 or 2,000? You know, then everybody wants to tell you how to do the church. And then, you know, it's, it's real easy to have a small gathering of people. Because, of course, you know, you're spending a lot of time before the Lord, asking the Lord, well, what would you have me do here? What would you have me do there? How would you, how would you have me, you know, behave, right? But as you grow, then you begin to think that you actually did it, you know? And this is, this is exactly what is happening with Christians today. It's not about, it's not about, the body. It's not about Christ anymore. It's about, you know, do you have the fish on the back of your car? You know, did you see that latest VeggieTales movie? I mean, it was really good. I was blessed. It was much better than that Harry Potter thing those unsaved kids are seeing across the street. Now, I'm certainly not advocating that, that Christians should go out and see Harry Potter. I actually think that there's, that there's some serious demonic forces behind that movie, considering the fact that, uh, that, uh, uh, that the author of those books calls our Savior our alleged Jesus. I look at my life, and hey, I listen to the Christian radio station. I've got the latest Chris Tomlin album, <laughs> you know, and I listen and I sing with Chris, and I get teary-eyed and I get emotional because it tells me about how I feel about my Lord and, and, and all of these different things. And, and, and I have Sky Angel at home because I don't want my kids to be contaminated by SpongeBob SquarePants or what have you. So really, I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to you. How much of your life is real relationship and how much of it are you living by the Christian subculture. You, you, can, you can tell when people go and they're talking and it's everything, I praise the Lord. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good today. Blessed brother, highly favored, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And how's everyone? Oh, they're blessed, highly favored, hallelujah. You ever seen those people just end, the, end every sentence with praise the Lord and they, you know, and, and they, were, they were cursing up a storm last week, but now, of course, they're part of this, this subculture. And what for? It's 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 pious, it's fleshly, it's self-indulgent, and it does not please God. And that's what we're here to do, right? We're here to serve God. But that's not where it ends. <laughs> then we get into this thing called churchianity. It's the overemphasis on ecclesiastical, denominational matters in Christianity. I can't even pronounce the darn definition. But it's the overemphasis in denominational things. Okay? This is, this is the problem. Denominational. Do you, 
do you realize that there is really one church that was the model in the book of Acts? Okay, we talked about that last week, so I'm not going to I'm not going to belabor the point, but you know, currently there are over 33,000 denominations. That's not a mistype. 33,000 Christian denominations, okay? This is as of 2001. It was an exhaustive study that took 10 years done. I couldn't believe that. I said, no, there, there can't be 33,000 denominations. And there are some, some, uh, there are some, some people that disagree. And, and, and quite honestly, I saw numbers that ranged from 1,500 to 33,000. But let's even go down to 1,500. 1,500 denominations? There's one Christ, one Christ, one death, one resurrection, one salvation. And there's 33,000, 1,500? De denominations are man-made, okay? It's man trying to reach out to God. We're back to the, the, the days of the Old Testament. Well, God, give us a set of rules and regulations. And of course, here are our mega churches ready to please. You know why they're full? Because they can go in and have a, you know, have a set of good music and, you know, have some good coffee and, you know, have a little, you know, teary-eyed experience where the music feels good and everybody tells them they love them and all this stuff. And hey, attend services, you know, go to Sunday school, you know, follow these five simple steps. You'll become more prosperous, right? And your anointing, well, hey, your anointing, more, more, more anointing, closer to God. Just follow my five steps, and I've got a whole 15-tape series that I can sell you. Well, actually, I'm not selling it to you. It'll be for your donation. I'm sorry. I mean, what, what has this become? Did they have tapes and books and five-step or 12-step or 10 keys or seven key programs, you know, in the book of Acts, when 3,000 people got saved in one day? Oh, I'm sorry. You may, your, your denomination may believe that that was only for, for that time. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's a constant reliance on human mediators, programs that teach us to know the Lord. <laughs> we got to be taught to know the Lord? Doesn't, doesn't God say, draw nigh unto me and I will draw nigh unto you? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be given to you. Who needs to teach you? To, are we that bad of people that we need to know how to go and approach the living God who loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on a cross for us, that we need somebody to teach us how to do it? Are we going back to the law? Turning your Bibles to 1 John, not the Gospel of John, but 1 John chapter 2. And D, would you read us verses 26 and 27? These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. And as for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in him. Now notice... It's those who are out there to deceive you. If you go and you look at denominations, folks, it's always Jesus plus. It's always, well, we've got Jesus and we've got this program. 
Or, you know, we've got Jesus and we've got the Bible, but we've got this way. We've got a, a new way for you to talk to God. I was watching a, a program the other day with my wife on television that was talking about how psychotherapy has worked its way into the church. Psychotherapy, you got pastors out there going, hey, you, you, we can't help you. you. You need to go to the psychologist down the street. That, that's a shame. Here it says that you have no need that any man teach you because him, with a capital H, who abides in you, He's taught you everything. You've got his anointing. Do you know that when you get saved, salvation isn't just for when you die, man. It's for when you live here. See, having Jesus as Savior is not enough. It's having Jesus as Lord of your life. And how do we do that? Well, we do that through the anointing of his Holy Spirit. By giving ourselves over to the Holy Spirit and by submitting to the anointing of the Holy Spirit and by asking the Lord to give us the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I understand that teachers can help us in our faith walk. I mean, if not, you know, this may be an awfully empty place next Tuesday night. And I'm certainly not advocating that everybody stop going to church and stop going to Bible study and just sit at home and, 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 and let the Lord teach you everything because the scripture says clearly to not forsake the assembly of the saints. But what I am saying is that there are a whole lot of people going to church that think that because they're going to church, because they're walking in the traditions of men with a capital T, that they're saved. Oh, my parents were going to this church. My grandparents were going to this church. Are, are you saying that the water you have for me is better than the, well, the water that our father Jacob gave to us to drink? Remember that? When Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well? She asked him, are you saying that what you've got to give me, Jesus, is better than what we've been having for years? What our traditional, what our, what our ancestors gave us, what our father Jacob gave us? I mean, look at how much time there was between Jacob and Jesus. So these guys had been lost in their traditions for a couple thousand years, you see? And this is what's happening when we've got all these denominations that swear they've got it right. There are denominations, you've got the Church of Christ, for example, out of Boston, that says that if you're not saved in their church or if you're not baptized in their church, you're going to hell, okay? You've got, you've got churches that are telling people that, you know, hey, listen, just pray the prayer and go about living your life, man. Don't worry about it. You're good to go. That's it. Don't worry about it. God will do it. You just go back. You go back to the club tomorrow night. Don't worry if, if you know, if the Holy Spirit will get you out of there sooner or later. My people perish for lack of knowledge. Sometimes when you hear me teach, you say, man, Mikey, you keep saying the same things. I'm sorry, but these are truths. These are truths. And, you, and the truth is not relative, contrary to popular opinion. The truth is not relative. This book is full of truth. And yes, there are many facets of that truth, but I believe that in this day, the Lord wants those people who want to be remnant people, those people who want to walk by His Spirit, to know the heart of God. Turning your Bibles to Hebrews 8. Hebrews 8. And Sean, why don't you read us... Uh, Verses 10 and 11. For this is the agreement which I make with the people of Israel after those days. 
I will put my laws into their minds, writing them in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And there will be no need for every man to be teaching his brother, nor his neighbor, saying, This is the knowledge of the Lord, for they will all have knowledge of me, great and small. Here God says that he's written his his word or his, his, you know, on the heart of every man. Now, granted, we get here, we open up our Bibles, and we, we study the word of God. But don't, don't lose focus, folks. You know, I am not a mediator, okay? I am not a spokesperson for God, amen? I am simply here as another beggar looking for bread, just like you. And I found the bread of life. And God has called me, through his Holy Spirit, to have enough guts to come up here and, <laughs> and talk about it every week. But you know what? The same anointing that is on me is on and in each and every one of you as believers. There's no difference. God doesn't use ability. You guys have heard me say this before. God uses availability. You understand? In this compromised faith walk, that people walk in churchianity. The believer trades his own priesthood. Do you know that you are a priesthood? You're a royal priesthood? There are denominations out there that don't believe in that. You're not a priest. You actually need to go to a priest. He's going to be your mediator. He's going to stand in the gap for you. You're going to go confess your sins to this person and he's going to tell you to go run around the building three times and jump up and down and clap. And I know they don't ask you to do that, but they might as well. It's got about as much effect as saying, you know, 10 Hail Marys and three rosaries or whatever it is that they ask you to do. Doesn't matter. Do you really think that God is sitting there going, well, come on, one more. One more Hail Mary. Come on now. I mean, come on, man. This is, this is ridiculous. Jesus died and he said, it is finished. It is finished. He died for... The sins of mankind. You understand? But no. You know, all you got to do is come to us, follow our five-step programs, you know, and, and, and just pay your tithe. Hey, listen. <laughs> How many churches aren't there out there that are focused on the tithe? Now, I'm not certainly saying that we don't need to tithe. But let's talk about tithing for just a second and say, first of all, do you know tithing is supposed to be anonymous? Do you know that no matter what church you go to, somebody knows how much you give? And of course, you know, the way that the way that the devil does it is he says, well, you want that, you know, you want that return on your taxes, don't you? You know, you want to be able to discount that on your taxes. Well, Jesus said to give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. You understand? So really what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to creep up there when nobody's looking and drop your offering in the box and walk away. Preferably in cash. You know, I know it's the day of debit cards. I know it's the day of, of paper. But see, this is the thing is that that stuff can all be traced back to you. And no matter what, let me tell you, if you're a person of means... And you may mean very, very well by walking into your church and giving $100,000, okay? But if you walk into your church and you give a $100,000 personal check, I will assure you that the scuttlebutt will start. 
Somebody from that accounting department is going to tell somebody in the secretarial pool who's going to tell somebody in the evangelism group who's going to tell, and eventually it's going to get over to the pastor. And that is going to cause that poor pastor to stumble because pastors should not be involved in the finances. I don't care what they say in today's evangelical subculture. Okay, it is not the way that it works. Jesus was sitting there and observing the way that they would give their tithes anonymously. And he just said, wow, you know, Jesus, Jesus could read people's minds and stuff. So he knew what the widow gave, but he had to explain it to the disciples because they didn't know what everybody was giving. They weren't up there keeping a tally. It's Jesus that knew. See, that's the whole idea. That's the model. God knows what you give. And, and if you're involved in ministry today, if God calls you into ministry, he doesn't call you into a business. He doesn't call you to raise money. That's not what ministry is about. Where do you read in the gospel, in the, any of the gospels, that they took up a collection? Even when they went to go feed the 5,000, they told Jesus, we don't have enough money in the box to feed all these people. But the point, that, the point there was that they were used to buying food for a bunch of people. You ever thought about that? Jesus didn't say, well, go over to each one of them and see if they'll each give you a dollar. And then, you know, go take the camel down there to Wendy's and see if you can cut a deal and get some hamburgers for everybody. No! Jesus, God, provided when there wasn't enough. And this is the whole idea. Listen, when we go to a church today, it's what can the church do for me? What kind of programs do they got? Do they got a good soccer team? They got a good softball team? Do we got a, you know, do we got a good anointed Bible study? Or are we going to cry at worship service? Is it kind of rockish or is it country? Or, you know, what's their worship like? What curriculum are they using to teach the children? And how certified, you know, are they to be teaching our children anyway? This is all man-made garbage. How often have we just gone into a church and, and, and looked and said, you know, I don't, I don't like this. Did you ask the Lord? Lord, do you want me to be here? But, but no, we don't want to do that. We want to be carnal about the whole thing. Let's look at the condition of the church today. How much of this stuff do we see? We see sexual immorality. We see divorce. We see adultery in the church today. Impure thoughts. Well, what's impure thoughts? I can't read Mikey. I can't read people's minds. Well, how many pastors haven't been caught up in pornography and you know, and internet stuff, all that stuff? Lustful pleasures, idolatry. You know, how many of these guys haven't set themselves up as little idols? A lot of the, a lot of today's pastors look at themselves as, hey, you know, I'm the Levitical priest here. Didn't we get rid of Levitical priests? You know, back in the Old Testament? We, we jump between the Old Testament and the, and the New Testament to whatever, you know, whatever works for us. You know, we, we do a 45-minute sermon before the sermon on tithing. We pass the plate shamelessly a couple times a service. Thank God I don't go to a church like that. But hey, but there are many, many out there that do, you see. And what for? I mean, the list doesn't end there. In your notes, you see jealousy and outbursts of anger and uh, all these selfish ambition, divisions. Sound like some churches you've been to? Certainly sounds like some churches I've been to. And you know what, folks? These are demonic. 
This is demonic. The devil has wooed us into believing that this is the kind of thing that pleases God. You understand? The feeling that everyone is wrong except for us. We know the secret to the Lord. We know we are the only true church. But we'll be gracious and wait for everybody else to get the revelation of what we know. Because we're better Christians than they are. I can tell you something. I don't know anything. I don't know anything. The Bible says so high above my ways are his ways that there's no way I understand God. All I can do is sit here and tell you, you know, this is what the Holy Spirit is revealing to me about the scripture. And if you get a confirmation in your spirit, then you say, wow, that was cool. The Holy Spirit witnessed it to me because the scripture says that his spirit witnesses to our spirit. But if not, your spirit will say, "Uh uh-uh, no, Mikey's full of it. No, no, no. But no, we we don't do that. We just depend on one guy to go up and tell us everything. and, And if he said it, it's true. How many of you guys have been to one of these churches that is talking about, well, you know, we need to we need to do a collection because we got to go out and do, you know, Christian missions. We got to spread the gospel throughout all the nations. Amen. All the nations. We got to (laughs) go. Do you know? And and this is all in your notes that 95 percent, that's 95 percent of U.S. churches of their budgets are spent on restoring the church, on programs, on comforts for the church. Less than 1% is spent on evangelism. I mean, this is, this is insane here. And the numbers go on and on and on and on. I mean, I've got, I've got a, a bunch of them. But the bottom line that, that it ends up in here is that what you're dealing with is we're not spending all the money that we say we are on all these different things. You've got pastors. You've got pastors out there that are getting Rolls Royces as gifts. And these are inner city pastors that are, that are in inner city churches where folks are living on welfare. And I totally agree with the concept of, hey, you know, when people tell me, well, Mikey, I can't afford to tithe because I'm having financial trouble. I'm the first one to say, look, brother, sister, you can't afford not to tithe. There's a couple of reasons for that. One of the reasons is because the, the scripture is pretty clear. If you tithe, okay, God is going to cover your finances. That's pretty clear, okay? And, and yes, I believe in offerings as well. I don't believe that you need to put your tithe or your offering on your credit card though, okay? If God, if God truly knows everything, and I believe he does, and he knows that your heart's desire is truly to tithe, And you just couldn't because you didn't have insurance and you needed to take your baby to the doctor or the hospital or you had more month than you had money. It just doesn't work sometimes. Do you think that God is sitting up there going, oh man, Michael, Gabriel, you're going to have to go pull a heist or something because we fell short. We're not going to be able to fund all the churches this week. Jesus, why don't you, we'll conjure up some more money. No. God knows where you're at. God cares more about the condition of your heart and your heart's felt desire than he does about what you give. But of course, you know, the Lord's given me a vision and you're going to pay for it. No, this is not correct. Okay, Christians spend more money on paying for, uh, uh, for, for their audits and all this $810 million a year just to make sure that we do the right thing with your tithe. Hey, listen, (laughs) we'll keep it real simple. I'm going to follow the rules of the tithe. I'm going to give them into the church. 
And you know what? I'm going to do something unique. I'm going to trust that you're being a good steward of what I'm giving. And I believe very much that, hey, if you don't do what's right before the Lord, he'll kill you. <laughs> it's that simple. Look what the Holy Spirit did to Ananias and Sapphira for just lying. You understand? Killed him, man. Killed him. And we're worried about, about people mismanaging funds. and this, But because we, we think that it's our money. And it's not. It's not. It's God's money. It's God's everything. And this is where we fall short of the mark. Because we're playing church. It's all about little churchianity. Churchianity. You know, organized religion just hasn't worked. In the 20th century, over 1,500 organized plans to evangelize the world have fallen flat on their faces. 1,500. 250 of those plans were for AD 2000. Remember when the world was going to end and, you know, and, and, and we had this whole, this whole thing of uh, Y2K and all the computers were going to shut down and the Antichrist was going to take advantage and come on the scene at that point. And, and they were selling, that, they were selling that, um, that dry food. Remember, they were selling this freeze-dry food. It was, it was funny, man. All these Christians were buying all this freeze-dried food. And yeah, remember that? And we're, <laughs> I told you before, people are sheep and sheep are dumb. Bah. I mean, it doesn't work, man. It doesn't work. But no, you know, we, we want to keep playing church. We want to keep, we want to keep, uh, you know, we want to keep doing this. And what for? Well, of course, if the enemy could, you know, could get us to be divided as a body, okay, to drain our resources, you know, which means to just give more than we really can afford, and to be distracted. Do you know what people got to do to go to hell? Absolutely nothing. That's it. Absolutely nothing. You understand? If, if, we, if we are distracted, avoiding the lordship of Jesus, not understanding that we need to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and if we do that, everything else will be given on to us. Everything. But no, you know, we've got programs and, and hey, you know, I, 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 got a, I got a new series. Did you see that, that new series that just came out? They've got a new way to evangelize. We can have a brownie bake for Jesus or whatever. I, I, I've seen so many different weird, type in denominations into Google and you get pages and pages and pages and pages of stuff. I didn't know where to end with the notes <laughs> for today. I mean, I came in with five pages of notes. And the bottom line is, hear the voice of the Lord. Study the scriptures for yourself. Don't just take some dude's word for it because he, you know, he's flashy and he's, you know, and he's a good-looking guy or a good-looking gal and, you know, and, uh, and they sing really good and they're pretty and they're quote-unquote anointed and they appeal to your flesh. You know, get out of that. Get out of that. You've got, we've got to practice kingdom living. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 6.33. You probably have this uh, memorized, but seek ye first his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first his kingdom by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, right? The Word and the Spirit alone. Now, why do I say alone all the time? I could simply say all of these different things, but what I'm trying to stress is the fact that by grace, 
through faith, in Christ, by the Spirit, by the Word, alone, nothing else, without doctrines of men, without traditions with a capital T. See, we believe in traditions with a capital T. What is that? Traditions with a capital T. But I'm not going to go back there. Then they're going to call me a Catholic basher. But, I mean, the fact is that this level of piety has gone beyond. People talk about the Catholics, and, but let me tell you, some of us, quote-unquote, non-denominational folks are just as pious and just as, you know, stuffy. Turn uh, in John, and Leo, why don't you read John 4, 23 and 24 to me, please. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and, tr- and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. It means, let's cut off the theatrics. Let's get out of all of this glitzy, glamoury, churchianity stuff. Let's look for a relationship with the Lord. Let's say, let's get on our faces before God. God, how would you use us? There's a world out there that's lost. Help me model my life the way you would want me to model it so that others will see it and they will want you. Not me, but they'll want you, Lord. Sing songs to the Lord. Now, I can't sing very well, but I still sing. You know, start singing to the Lord on your own. Lift your hands. Sing songs to the Lord. Chat with the Lord. He wants to talk to you. It's not weird. It's not freaky. It's not insane. It's not stupid. Open up your mouth. Start to worship the Lord. Start to ask God to talk to you. The scripture says that he changes not. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he spoke to Moses, and he spoke to Abraham, and he spoke to Jacob, what makes you think he's not going to speak to you? He wants to. Jesus said, I wait at the door and knock and invite me in and I'll dine with you. How rude would it be if somebody came over to your house and you put a nice plate of food in front of them and they went... Never talked or anything, never said nothing. The whole idea behind sharing a meal is to converse. I mean, I, I think the Italians got it all right. They sit there and they eat for four hours, man. Manja, manja. And they, and they visit and they talk about family and they laugh and they tell jokes and, and all of these different things. Why is that? Because it's fellowship. It's back to what we talked about last week. Teach people the word. Tell them to stay in the word. Teaching the apostles doctrine. Bringing them into fellowship. Okay, that means body ministry. That means sharing your burdens. Girl, you look a little sad today. Brother, you look a little upset today. Or, wow, you look excited today. Why do you look like that? What happened? Tell me a story about what God did for you because I'm feeling a little down today. So maybe you can encourage me with what God has done for you today. Because I know that God's not a respecter of persons. And chances are that, you know, I may be my own worst enemy today. See, we, we always blame the devil for everything. Oh, the devil. Oh, the devil. Sometimes it's that good old flesh of ours just jumping up and wanting to do stuff. See, the devil sits there and he, you know, he sets the stage. And, and I'll tell you, I'll, I'll make a strong recommendation for a movie. There was a movie out a while back with Al Pacino called The Devil's Advocate. 
And I'm going to get a sound clip of that, and I'm going to bring that in one day for you guys to hear it. But if you get a chance to pick it up at Blockbuster, I would strongly suggest you listen to what Al Pacino, who plays good old Slewfoot himself, says at the end of that movie. It is so truthful. He says, I don't do anything. You people do it to yourselves. I just set the stage. Did God say, if you are the son of God, then do this and that. Notice that Jesus spoke back to the devil with scripture. Why? Well, because scripture, see, what the devil told Jesus was absolutely true. If you go looking in the scripture, what the devil told Jesus when he was tempted was exactly right on track. Okay, it was straight out of the Bible. But scripture builds on scripture. You can't just pull one scripture out of the air and build an entire theology on it. More churches than I care to think about that are doing that today. If you can't find it more than one place, you're twisting it. Be people of prayer. Pray for one another. Pray for your city. Pray for your leaders. Okay, God will meet all your needs. You understand? God wants us to be the ecclesia, the true church, the body. The church is not a building. The church is not a program. The church is not a set of rules and regulations designed by some guy who had a great vision. And this is where, you know, I was truly challenged as I was putting this together because I, I said to my wife, I said, you know, no matter what, if something grows and it's popular and it gets good, it's going to get screwed up because we're human. We're man. We're fleshly. How do we avoid that? It's so difficult. It's so difficult because if God's given us an anointing, if, if God, I mean, I, I listen to, I listen to the, the messages that I teach up here and I'm blessed by them. And if I don't watch it, I could start believing that I do this stuff. And if people hear them, they write to me, man, I heard your message and it was really good. It's very, very difficult to just put that flesh down and say, shut up flesh, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. And even then, there comes a point where if you say that too much, you sound pious. Oh yes, to God be the glory. He's touched me in such an awesome way. And if you're spiritual like me, he'll touch you the same way too. You see, we're never going to get it 100% right. But what God wants us to do is to be willing to be submitted to him, to his Holy Spirit, to seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, to be kingdom people. Jesus is coming back for a holy church, for a remnant church. And what, does, what are remnant people? We're holy. Does that mean we're better than anybody else? No. It means that we desire to be righteous as the Lord's righteousness that he's given us. You understand? It's the desire of our heart. We may fall short of that because all of us are a work in progress. Okay, there ain't nobody here who's done. Nobody here is finished yet. The good work he's begun in you he will bring to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. All you need to do is get out of the way. Get out of the way. Relinquish it. Let it go. Let go and let God, as they say. And watch how your life will never, ever be the same. If you don't know Jesus, get to know him. It's an amazing thing to know him face to face, heart to heart, mano a mano, as they say. You don't need special programs because when you've really been in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, everything else pales in comparison. That's it. Teach the kingdom, man. Tell people there's a God and he loves you. He loves you so much that 
If you let him into your life, he'll take you out of that circumstance. There's no circumstance that God can't get you out of. And let me tell you, you know, if you're listening today and you need the Lord Jesus Christ and you say, well, I can't, I'm too far gone or he can't do anything with me because, you know, he, he would never love me. That's not true. A very wise man again told me one day, he said, Mikey, Jesus cleans his fish after he catches him. So be caught, caught today. Give your life to Jesus. Ask him into your heart. Say, Lord, I've heard your word. I've been touched by your Holy Spirit. I give up. I'm done. It's not my way anymore, but yours. Come into my heart. Wash me clean of my sin. Let me spend eternity with you. And guess what? You're in, man. You're on a path that if you can stay away from all this churchianity, if you can stay away from this silly Christian lifestyle that we all have what kind of movies did you see? Did you buy the latest so-and-so album? Did you read the latest book? If you can seek the Lord, just stay on fire for him. You're in for an adventure, man. And when you get home, you're going to go before the Lord and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. Father, we give you thanks and praise again for today's teaching, Lord. Father, work in us. Lord, your word says that the end time church is an apostate church. Lord, so I know that even though we teach it, that, Lord, that, that there are some men of God and women of God, Lord, that mean very, very well, and they're deceived. And, Lord, this needs to happen to fulfill your word, your prophetic word. But, Father, be merciful, be gracious to them. Lord, deliver us from evil today. Deliver them from evil, from the lies of the enemy. Lord, give us your spirit of truth. Pour out your spirit on us. And, Lord, let us enjoy a relationship one-on-one, -on -one, face-to-face with you. Father, be with us every day this week until we meet next week, Lord. Make straight our path. Open the doors that need to be opened and close those doors that you would rather not have us walk through with the blood of Jesus. Father, we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.